The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matias Wadner, here with my co-host, Will Lomas. If you hear construction in the background, uh, I am sorry. I actually forgot that <laughs> there was construction going on uh, before I told Will that I was ready to record. But hopefully it's not too distracting uh, because we have a lot to talk about. We haven't recorded since... I think December 13 was the last time that we recorded. That was after uh, the Titans had lost to the Jaguars 36-22 at home. And I'm going to be honest with you, I have not been watching. I have not been watching Titans games. I was on vacation uh, in Spain, and in the middle of all this, the World Cup was happening. Uh, My native country of Argentina won the World Cup, so I've kind of been uh, on a two-week not Bender, but I've pretty much been on a victory parade. It's been fantastic. And I simply will not let the Titans bring me down. I like, I'm not going to let them take away uh, from my joy. So I haven't really been watching them, uh, only bits and pieces. And I've been following, uh, you know, through ESPN and whatnot. But from what I've seen and what I was following, uh, the Titans are bad, uh, very bad. Uh, they have lost six straight. Uh, Will has informed me that this is tied for the second worst stretch in franchise history, which is absolutely crazy because they have had some really bad teams. Uh, Those of you who have been Titans fans for a while know that those 2003, 2004, 2005 teams were just just horrendous. Uh, So that's crazy. But yeah, the Titans are bad. And yeah, like what's going on, Will? What's your what's your feelings on, on this on this losing streak? Uh, and we could talk a little bit about the Cowboys game if you want. Although I don't know how important that game really was, given that the Titans rested so many starters, uh, even though they ended up finding their starting quarterback in Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I mean, 
since since the last time we talked, uh, the Titans have put Ryan Tannehill, Nate Davis, Ben Jones. Uh, they're all on our and you know that that sort of like encapsulates what's happened to this team. You know, we've talked about injuries and all that ad nauseum, but it's hard because, you know, they set the bar and then each week they pass it. So it feels like you have to bring it up, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a bad situation. Like they don't seem to have, you know, like on, on offense, there's still Todd Downing where it's, you know, every now and then there'll be like a cohesive collection of plays that you're like, Oh, Maybe that like, you know, maybe that was Tim Kelly or maybe Todd Downing like did something well. And then it'll be followed by two turnovers by two people you're supposed to depend on. And then it'll just, you know, it'll be it'll be that kind of situation over and over again, Uh, which, you know, at this point you kind of expect. Luckily, the Titans have sort of fallen into an ideal situation because the the narrative after this week will all hinge on what happens in this game and if they win uh, you know you'll see ap articles and you know espn reports where it's like mike vrabel took a you know a collection of tough hard-nosed football players on the road and they beat jacksonville and they made it to the playoffs if they lose it'll be what are the Titans going to do? They lost 12 or lost seven straight, you know, they're picking top 10 and who's safe, you know, and it'll be, it'll be a very like, and all of that is dependent on what happens this game. So the good news is that it's not who's safe and the Titans are picking 18th, you know, like they're either going to have a quality pick, like a true first round caliber player, which they haven't been able, you know, they haven't been in a position to draft somebody, you know, that might have fought like Micah Parsons fell to like 11. I think like, you know, there they are true like game changing talents in that area of the draft, whereas you really don't get that, you know, in, in the 20s. And, you know, it, it, every so often you do, but it's hard to find those guys who everybody is confident that they're going to be stars coming out. But, you know, uh, it's. It's an interesting situation to be in because. You know, none of this, none of this is a direct result of firing John Robinson, which, you know, I've, I've, everybody knows my stance on all that situation. But it is interesting because when John Robinson was fired, Amy Adams Strunk, you know, came out and said, well, like, you know, basically said, like, I'd, I'd made my made my mind up and there's no reason to wait. 10 get you know 10 weeks or whatever i think her exact quote was five six seven weeks whenever the season ends uh and to make that decision she said it wasn't fair to john it wasn't fair to our roster all that kind of stuff so they made that decision with the idea that you know that there was a big off season coming and they needed the right person in charge to make these crucial decisions and they didn't trust john robinson to take them from the level they were now were at then to the next level. And since then they've kind of downward spiraled through injuries and, you know, poor coaching on offense and all that to losing six straight, maybe seven straight. And now all of a sudden the one guy on the roster who knows how to rebuild a team from bad to good is gone. So 
you know, instead of worrying about how do we get from good to great, now we're just worrying about being relevant again because the Titans, no matter what happens in this game, will finish with a losing record for the first time since before John Robinson was hired. So uh, we're sort of back in those waters because even if the Titans win, which you could argue might, you know, Mike Keith and, and other people have talked about this already where they've said, you know, I don't understand why some fans might not want to win because when you win, you're, you have a chance at the Super Bowl and you go from being one of 32 teams to one of 14 teams. And it's not really like that. You know, that there's, there's so rarely a team that's injured at all that makes a run and really makes it to the Super Bowl and wins, but much less when they have this level of injuries and the sort of incompetence that the Titans have, uh, you know, especially on offense. So luckily, whoever the next general manager is, you know, shouldn't be just a yes man for Mike Vrabel, whereas that's that's kind of what it was lining up as before, he, you know, he sort of didn't win another game uh, until maybe next year. But it, it should be somebody with qualifications. And even though we haven't heard a single name connected and, you know, you didn't miss anything there, like no name has been connected to the Titans as even an interview candidate. Um, the The good news is that Hopefully, you know, this sort of group failure pushes them to look outside the building and for somebody who might be able to help. But it's it's a situation that we have not been in in half a decade. And, you know, maybe they win on on Saturday and they make it to the playoffs and they they have a valiant stand there and they draft 20th. But I it it's looking very likely that they have a top 10 pick or somewhere in that range. So uh, that that's kind of all you missed is them losing meaningless games and losing them in, in pretty convincing fashion, uh, especially the, the, the last two with Malik Willis in there. And then Josh Dobbs, which we can talk about in a second, but the, the game had a different feel when Dobbs was in, uh, but it's it's not you know there, there's such a clear drop off from Tannehill and even Tannehill number one Tannehill when he's not healthy number two then Josh Dobbs three and Malik Willis four is is what it's looked like this year. Yeah, we can talk about Josh Dobbs uh, in a little bit just to to piggyback off of some of the things uh, that you said uh, about the next GM. It, it seems like Ryan Cowden, the interim GM right now, has a pretty good shot uh, at being the full time GM. Uh, Taylor Luan, uh, he was on, I think it was the PMT podcast, uh, said that he thinks that he should get the job. So that's a pretty big vote of confidence. Luan has been a staple in the T- Tennessee Titans franchise for a while. And for him to to get that vote of confidence, I think speaks volumes. And we'll, we'll see if uh, Amy Adams Strunk's, Strunk listens to him. But yeah, uh, it, it's it's dicey. The, the Titans are in a really dicey situation. They put themselves in this situation. Uh, I, I'm not going to absolve uh, John Robinson uh, of, of all the blame because, you know, I, I think he definitely had his faults and, and it made decisions that that weren't great. Uh, and I don't I don't think this losing streak is is a direct correlation with him getting fired. Uh, I think it's a summation of a lot of things, uh, mostly the injuries like the injuries are absolutely ridiculous like this is 
this is not normal. And, and <laughs> we keep blaming the, the the roster for this. Is if like you can draft an injury prone roster that that doesn't happen. Like that's not possible. Like it's not. You can't be so unlucky that every player that you draft or every free agent that you sign ends up getting injured uh, on your team uh, within the span uh, of two seasons. It's just it's just not possible. So there's something more at play here, and I think the Titans really have to investigate uh, and try to correct it in the offseason. Obviously, the first uh, – the the one that we've pointed our fingers to is the strength and conditioning coaches and the, the program, the fitness program. I think that's where you have to start because this just doesn't make sense. This doesn't happen to, to many other teams. I think the Chargers are really the only team that, that this has kind of happened to frequently over a, a stretch of seasons. Uh, so – yeah, I, well, whatever the Chargers are doing, I, well, they they stuck with their medical staff, right? Even through all this and even through the uh, Terod Taylor uh, drama, they stuck with their medical coaching staff and, and you know, it hasn't worked out well. So the Titans need to take a real look in the mirror uh, in terms of that and, and try to find a solution. Um, the Titans have a new starting quarterback now. It's Josh Dobbs, former Tennessee volunteer. Uh he played well against the Cowboys, at least from what I've seen. Definitely an improvement on Malik Willis, who I think we all knew wasn't ready. We said it in the preseason. We said it in the offseason. We've said it during the season. He's just he has so much to learn and so much to develop. And that's fine. Like that. That's what a third round quarterback is going to be like. I don't think anyone should have expected Malik Willis to come in and look like a seasoned veteran. Uh, he's shown a couple of flashes, but he really doesn't have a good feel uh, for the position. And I also don't think he – like, he's not in a good situation. Todd Downing is not a good offensive coordinator. The Titans are ravaged by injuries uh, on offense, and the offensive line is bad. So he was put in a bad situation, and he has looked very much like the very green, raw uh, rookie quarterback that, that we saw uh, coming out. It's it's kind of surprising that the Titans even took this long to, to to figure this out because they see him at practice all the time. They saw him in the preseason, and even though he had a couple flashes in the preseason, he really didn't look ready at all. So I feel like the Titans probably should have been a little quicker to address the the backup situation uh, throughout the season, but they didn't. So we're past that. Uh, what do you think about Dobbs? What what do you think of his performance uh, against the Cowboys? Do you think? Do you think he gives the Titans a, a chance to to win this game against the Jaguars? I think so. I mean, I think they could have be, they could win even with Malik Willis, uh, just because of the way that the Titans are made in terms of playing defense and running the ball a lot. But it seems like Dobbs at least gives them a little bit of stability in the passing game. Yeah, the good thing about Dobbs is that he'll get upfield when he runs like that. That was the biggest problem with Malik Willis was when he decided to scramble and he, he didn't seem to feel comfortable scrambling and then passing and that, you know, rolling out and passing that, that was, that was a strange thing about him. And then when he did scramble and it was time to run, he just would move laterally. And, you know, I, I, I don't know why that is, but, that that's why we didn't really see any long productive runs from Malik Willis is because he didn't turn his shoulders, go, you know, square shoulders, get up field. Like 
and start like making your moves past the line of scrimmage. And that, that was a big problem, but Dobbs didn't seem to have that problem. You know, he seems to be able to roll out of the pocket and he feels comfortable there. And then he, you know, he knows he's, you know, long, fast, you know, quarterback. So he can really do a good job in space because he can threaten you with his arm and his legs. And, you know, the book on the Titans right now, if you're a defense is we're going to put eight in the box or, or, you know, I mean, yeah, you could probably get away with it with eight with his offensive line and just say, you know, our backside guy is going to go for the run every single time. And we're, you know, we're not expecting you to have a quarterback that will one run a play action pass two run a play action pass and boot around without us clearly seeing it or three do all that and then be able to complete a pass. And, you know, for, for the most part, they they've been right when Tannehill hadn't been in. And even when Tannehill was in and he was injured, he couldn't move around a lot. Like that's why the, the offense looked better in the Philadelphia game was because he could move around and, and do things. And then, you know, every, the wheel started just completely falling off and the, then, then it went from bad to worse. So it's, it's uh, again, I don't want to sound overly optimistic because I wrote about this and there's this big theory that, okay, the Titans are finally healthy. Like they're going to go in and this is, this is what the Titans are really are. And that's why I made the point earlier that people forget that since the last time they played the Jaguars, yeah, like they, they should have, you know, arrested defense and that should be great. But you also have to remember that they lost their two best offensive linemen and their starting quarterback. So they're, they're not, they're nowhere near a clean bill of health, but, you know, definitely not, you know, clearly a better team. So that'll be interesting. But, you know, having said all that, Dobbs seemed to, people have said that, you know, he added some energy to the offense, all that, and he did, but they also passed it 40 times. You know, that adds energy to an offense, like a a 2022-style passing offense or, you know, something from the last 10 years like that, that's what an NFL team is supposed to do. And, you know, it feels exciting because it feels like there's a chance for a big play. And I think they had three or four plays that went for 20 plus yards. So yeah, like it, you know, that, that feels exciting. That's what passing does, you know, and that was because Derrick Henry wasn't in. So I don't know if they will continue to lean on the passing game because really you can try to give it to Derrick Henry. And I think they, I, I, I believe that they'll give Derrick Henry 25 touches, whether that's all running the ball or if there's some passes thrown in there or whatever. But I mean, I think they're going to try to feed him the ball, but everybody knows that's coming, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like go galaxy brain and saying that's what they think's coming. So you have to get away from it. But if you're going to run in the B gap between the left guard and left tackle, 12 times out of your 25 runs, you're going to get crushed. I mean like that, that's where they're going to pin their ears back and go that that's what they're looking for. Now, if you can get them to start biting on some bootlegs and you know, if you can make them pay for where they're trying to line up, that's great. If you can, you know, run a two back set and run Derrick Henry one way and 
give the ball to Hassan Haskins or whoever and and make that let them do something that that would also be great if you can run jet motion to distract or if you can run screen plays that aren't completely obvious or if you'll throw on first down you can this can work in the Titans advantage but that they're more obsessed with their identity than what's best for the team and that's that's why they're in this situation in the first place so all that to say it's going to have to be a day where the defense looks like what we expected the Titans defense to look like. And they're going to have to be the one that creates turnovers instead of the last time when they played, when the Titans turned the ball over four times themselves and didn't get any turnovers of their own. Yeah. I was going to say it'll be important to not turn the ball over four times or whatever it was uh, in that last game. Henry was having a really good game uh, in that one, but just kept, fumbling i think fumbled twice in that game from what i remember yeah there was Um, that one weird like downing wildcat like oh i'm gonna fake like the ball went over my head and then uh derrick henry's supposed to catch it and run from the wildcat and it was it was kind of a bad snap kind of a weird read like and it was it just one of the todd downing turnovers that are the titans suck at those plays like all all the gadget stuff they are not good at that yes Throw it out the it's so predictable. The things that they do that are away from their predictable things work less often than their predictable stuff. It's yeah. cra- I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, there is no element of surprise. The only thing that, that surprises the defense is the fact that the Titans screw up the play and fumble the ball on those types of uh, gadget plays. So, I don't know, just... It's 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 been the same the whole season. Uh, there's no point in getting uh, annoyed about it. But uh, I, I will say Henry played well in that game. Tannehill was so so. He didn't play all that poorly. Uh, the defense was was kind of rough. Like they Trevor Lawrence was, was dicing them up and Trevor Lawrence has been playing well. Uh, I think we've we've been kind of critical of him in the past, but I think he's taken a decent size step forward this season. And, you know, the Jaguars are in a four game win streak. Uh, they've won five of their last six, although they got destroyed by the lions in Detroit uh, in the middle of that. But Trevor Lawrence is playing well. He's playing with confidence. I think Doug Peterson has designed, designed a pretty good uh, offense around him. And they're a pretty scary team. I, I would say on offense on defense, they're, they're so, so I like, I, I don't think they're uh, amazing. I think you could pass on them and, and you can also run on them. They do get pressure. Uh, they they are pretty good in, in that respect. And, and given the Titans' offensive line and how how awful they've been all season, and, and they continue to be really bad, uh, it will it'll pose a problem, uh, especially for a team that's on their you know third string quarterback. So the Titans are going to have to protect well. They're going to have to probably run the ball well, and I think they'll be able to. They always run the ball well uh, against the Jaguars with Derrick Henry. So yeah, yeah, it's. The whole thing about this game is who was more valuable? Was it is it more valuable that you have Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry and you know you've got a rested defense, or was it more valuable to have a good offensive line? Because the pass rush should be much better and the offense, you know, the pass protection should be the same, which is terrible. And like you're gonna have to like think like that we're gonna see, you know, if you're a Jeffrey Simmons kind of truther, like I am, you know, obviously, like, I think, I think, I think everybody we've ever talked to likes Jeffrey Simmons and most Titans fans love him, but 
you know, he's he's had a drop in production because his ankle's been bothering him. Like, and, you know, not it's not a secret. Like, Mike Frabel's talked about it. Like, Mike Keith has screamed about it over and over. Like, it's it's evident. But he's been dealing with an ankle issue. Now that he's fully, like, two weeks rested and he's back to full strength and he has Autry beside him who should be back to somewhat full strength. Like, this is a game where they should make a huge impact. And if they can get, you know, and then the defensive backs will be more healthy. And But those two specifically need to be so disruptive that it makes things easy for the Titans offense to kind of run the ball and move because the other, because the Jaguars defense feels like they have to do too much. Like they're going to have to win the psychological warfare of we're tougher and we're going to make life a nightmare for your quarterback. So you're going to have to hand the ball off because, you know, the Titans run defense that they, they do well, like they can, you know, they've, when, when they're healthy, they've stopped everybody in the NFL. Who's tried to run on them. They're great. You know, their past defense, when everybody's healthy has been great too. Like they give up yards, but they also get sacks and have gotten turnovers, but they've, it's been such a long time since we've seen them healthy. You know, like you think back to the Packers game where, Tannehill was on fire and Aaron Rodgers couldn't get anything going at all. Well, now the Packers have won however many straight and they're, you know, in a play in game themselves. Like it's not like they're a bad team. You know, they had won the week before against Dallas in overtime and the Titans beat them. And then they've won every game or nearly every game since then. So the Titans, when, when they've had, and that was also Danico Autry's last game because he got hurt in that game. Like when the Titans defense is healthy enough, they perform well. So if you can turn the tables and put the pressure on Trevor Lawrence and, you know, the Doug Peterson offense and all that, it, because of who's healthy in this game, it, it should help you. It should, but again, can the Titans create, you know, like Kevin Byard in the Dallas Cowboys game, like he was, he was on fire. Like he was jumping routes and he was around the ball all the time. Like we haven't seen since the LA Rams game last year. Like if they let that Kevin Byard out of the cage or if he comes to play, it's an entirely different ball game. If Derrick Henry plays like like he did versus the Jaguars last time or like, you know, like he did versus the Texans early in the year or like he did versus the Chiefs. Like if if your stars play well, the, there's other than Harold. And now this is going to sound like a long list when I say it, but it's just because of how injured the Titans are. Uh other than Harold Landry, Taylor Lewan, and Ryan Tannehill, you don't have any star caliber players that are hurt. And again, that sounds like three people sounds like a lot, but the Titans still have Kevin Byard. You still have maybe David Long. You still have Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry. Like both of those guys should be double digit sack guys if healthy. You know, you should have Henry Burks wasn't in the last game. Chigakonkwo is finally getting used more and people recognize how good he is. He got a rest some last week. He didn't play a lot. Like you've got these pieces that if you can sustain offense by feeding these guys and by playing smart football, and then you can let your other guys pin their ears back and play free. You can, the, the Titans can win this game. Like it's, it's not an easy game and it, it's a game where the Jaguars have less to play for than the Titans do, but they still have, they, they mean it's still the easiest path is to beat the Titans and, and to do that at home. But I mean, 
it will all come down to how convinced this team is and how bought in this team is to what Mike Vrabel and the coaches are selling. Because your stars are there. They should be rested. It's a team they've played before. This should come down to who is the better team and who is more well coached and and not like turnover, like accidents happen, whatever. But, you know, both teams know who each other are. So play calling is going to be important, but really it's which team understands where they got beat last time or where they struggled last time. And they know how to step on the gas and exploit those weaknesses or how to prevent those things. And th- this is one of those games where in the past might you would expect Mike Vrabel to win because it's a long rest time. They, you know, they've known what the stakes were going to be for this game for weeks. So it's basically like a bye week last week. And it's an important division game. And the Titans have won those under Mike Vrabel. But whether that'll happen or not, we'll basically force people to rethink or reevaluate what they think about Mike Vrabel and this team. So it's, it's interesting and it's the prelude to chaos. So all we can do is wait and see, but it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the, the injured list. It's, I've never seen anything like it in my life. So many, so many good players, like even like you said, only a couple stars, but you know, the, the other guys are starters and they're, they're not, they're not available. It's, uh, it's brutal really. And it's, it's crazy that the Titans are even in position to, to make the playoffs, but that shows how bad this division is. And the fact that the Titans got off to a really good start early in the season, uh, before we go to an ad break, I, I did want to talk a little bit about the offensive line. Um, I, <laughs> I don't even know who's starting. I genuinely don't even know who it's, it's daily at left tackle. Um, Corey Levin left guard. Is that correct? No, no Brewer Brewer's Brewer, yeah. left guard. Sorry. Levin is going to play center. I believe, mm-hmm. uh, right guard is who's the right Jordan guard. Ruse. Jordan Ruse. Oh my goodness. And Petit Freer yeah. will be the right tackle. Okay, um, is that the worst offensive line you've ever seen? That's got close. Gotta that's worse close. than I mean, we we name drops Will Spitek pretty often uh, on this podcast, but oh, I yeah. think this one's this one's worse. Like yeah, this... like Will Spitek, his name will be lost to history now. Like Dennis <laughs> yeah. Daly is so much worse than 100%. Will Spitek, and he's been the starter all season. Like, I mean, it's not yeah, like Spitek was, bad... was like a spot starter, like against JJ emergency, Watt. Emergency. Yeah, and, and, and Dennis Daly is like. I, every week, if you go on Twitter, you can find somebody from the like the team that we just played, and you can find somebody who can say it was a it was a transformative week for whichever pass rusher was going against Dennis Daly, and they'll just be like, look at all these clips, like at that inside move he's been trying to starting to work, and check out this spin. It's like, and he totally beats a tackle off the ball. It's like, yeah, because he's the worst offensive tackle in the NFL possibly in the worst, like the worst left tackle in the NFL in the last 10 years. I mean, like when you just look at like, he doesn't know the snap count. He false starts He last week against the Cowboys. He false started on two fourth downs. I mean, like truly like a, an abomination of a left tackle. And, you know, and, and we can talk about this at some point too. And Mike Vrabel has stuck up for him to, to an incredible, incredible amount. So 
you know, it, is it the worst offensive line I've ever seen? Yeah, probably. Like, Corey Levin is good. Like, Aaron Brewer is a bad pass protector who can do some things for you in space and make plays like the second level versus the run. Nicholas Petit Frere has his moments where he looks good. Jordan Ruse is okay. I mean, like he, like he's he's a step below Corey Levin, but fifty steps above Dennis Daly. So like that kind of gives you a reference point. Like I, I don't I don't think there's a huge difference in Aaron Brewer and Jordan Ruse. Like I think they're probably they probably help help you about the same. So yeah, I mean, but what can you expect? Again, like. Taylor Lewan should be in a perfect world. Taylor Lewan should be the left tackle. By now, Dylan Radens should have won the left guard job. Ben Jones should be the center. Nate Davis should be the right guard. And your right tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere, should probably be your worst player on that line. And he's probably the best player on this line. So that that's kind of where we are now. And again, a lot of it's self inflicted, but, uh, you know, that that's that's where they are now and oh man i mean it's like you've just it, dobbs did a really good job navigating the pocket to kind of mask some of it but man even that like there's a lot of stuff that he just even he couldn't like get away from or like you know make work so it, it's gonna be a tough thing to watch yeah i mean i don't know how many quarterbacks could 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 perform uh with an offensive line like this and like these guys are bad, but <laughs> they've been bad all season. Like even when the other guys are in the offensive line has also been bad. So it's just been it's just been a disaster. And to go back to I, a couple a couple minutes ago, you posed a question uh, whether the offensive line or Jeffrey Simmons and Danica Autry in the defensive line uh, is more important to you know a team success. I think it's offensive line at this point. Like. Everything that I've seen leads me to believe that. And even when I look at, like, the Los Angeles Rams, their their offensive line was terrible this year, and it completely sunk their team. It put them in such a bad hole early in the season that they could never climb out of it, and they have Aaron Donald and and a pretty good defense uh, on the other side of it. And think about the fact that that same team uh, ended up going to the Super Bowl last year. Sure, you could look at the Bengals, and they had a terrible offensive line last year, but they also have Joe Burrow, who is just a wizard uh, in the pocket and makes game-winning throws on every other pass, and the Titans simply don't have that. And I think uh, an offensive line is more important. I love Jeffrey Simmons. I love Danico Autry, and I think they were crucial uh, to their success last year and at times this year, but... Man, like if you can't protect your quarterback, you just can't. You can't score points. It's it's impossible. So, points are gonna be hard to come by in this game. It seems like so. Hopefully, the Titans' defense can step up. But hopefully, the the Titans' offensive line at least gives Derrick Henry a little bit of room to run with and Dobbs enough time uh, to at least move the chains on on certain uh, on certain drives. But. We'll see. Uh, Let's take an ad break here, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the Titans' future. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, We've talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars game, and as we all know, it's a win and end game. I kind of wanted to talk to you about, or ask you, what the Titans' 
course of action or, or plan uh, would be, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think it matters if they win this game, to be honest, because I think, uh, I think their plan for the future is probably going to be the same. Uh, even if they win the Super Bowl with like Josh Dobbs, what are you going to do? <laughs> Dobbs isn't going to be your your starting court. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. If he wins the Super Bowl, he might actually be the starting quarterback next year. But if it, first of all, if the Titans win this game, make it to the playoffs, do you think they could make anything happen? Because if they get the, the they would get the fourth seed, they would probably host the Chargers. They played the Chargers pretty tough uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and that was a game where Tannehill got injured. Uh, but Justin Herbert, like, he's, he's been good, but he's kind of handicapped by the offense, and they're not exactly an explosive offense other than Austin Eckler and Mike Williams on some deep routes. They have a really bad run defense. Like, if the Titans get in and, and host the Chargers, I could see them I could see them winning that game, honestly. Yeah, the, the travel alone would be... Yeah, difficult for the Chargers because it's you know they go from indoors in L.A. to Tennessee where it's been been pretty rainy here lately. Which I mean that that doesn't do a lot for what the forecast would look like in a week and a half or two or whatever it is. But it you know it's supposed to be rainy and colder and all that. And they have Eckler who's great, but you know he plays indoor on you know dry field like that that could be an issue but yeah it's it's strange because you know it let's say that Dobbs comes out and wins this game let's start with the unlikely scenario first so let's say Dobbs has you know they pass it 28 times something like that he has 170 yards a touchdown to a tight end or a running back or Burks and no turnovers and they win this game 20 to 14 you know Kevin Byard has an interception on Trevor Lawrence on the on the two-minute drill that they try to run to end the game so let's say that happens the identity of the team is still the same it's still going to be a team that is going to get somewhere between 70 to 200 yards in the running game it just depends on if Derrick Henry can break those three or four runs that change, you know, a 25 carry day from a waste of time to a huge part of the offense that works. But, you know, after the season, somebody, then this, uh, I, I should say this, this won't happen if the Titans win. If the Titans win, they make the playoffs, they win the AFC South again, Mike Vrabel will be convinced that the only reason they didn't win the Super Bowl is because of injuries and because he didn't have his guys on the roster. You know, his guys like and and I'll bring this point up too. Like it's it's a it's an issue where it once you become a starter for Mike Vrabel, you're a starter. And you can look at Dennis Daly, you can look at Aaron Brewer, you can look at uh Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans in the past starting over David Long. You can look at guys like Murchison, who buried, you know, Tier Tart on the depth chart for uh, over half a season before he was even called up. You know, you can look at uh, th there's countless examples of this where, you know, th there are guys who are poorly performing and they just, you know, Jonathan Joseph was like that until he finally got injured. Like the the Titans don't bench people. 
you either you either work your way through it and you keep the job or you're let go after the season or you're not re-signed or whatever. But it's not there, – there is no – for all the talk of competition, there is no talk of competition in the season. It's just – it doesn't happen, and it's – that's obvious. So by that same token, if if this – whether it's the brain trust of – Amy Adams Strunk and Mike Vrabel, or if it's Mike Vrabel and Todd Downing and Shane Bowen, like if they believe that if they, if they can separate themselves from reality and say that the only re- they, everything they were doing was right. They just didn't have the right guys to do it. Then next year you're going to see going into the playoffs or into January you're going to see a 30-year-old running back with, pro, you know, if, if Derrick Henry's there with 300-plus touches again, you know, you're going to see a, a team that has a lot of older players who are probably going to be paid too much, and then you're going to see a rookie class probably designed more around tough, hard-nosed guys than the best football player. And look, I don't have, I don't have any problem if the Titans hire a general manager who knows what he's doing, and he goes into the offseason, and they spend their first three draft picks on offensive linemen. That's fine. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that if it's somebody who's proven that they can do it. But like, Jamarco Jones was a Mike Vrabel guy. People forget that he exists. Uh, he's been on IR since before the season started, I believe, or since right after the season started, or he moved from the pup list to the IR list. Like, you know, he could have been somebody who, you know, the money they spent on him could have been used on somebody to actually play and replace uh, Aaron Brewer or Dennis Daly at tackle or guard. Like, you know, the this – Nothing changes if there's a win this all uh, this weekend, but if there's a loss, there's going to have to be some come to Jesus meetings. There's going to have to be, okay, Todd Downing's got to go. I don't care how much you like him. I don't care if he's been your OC and you don't fire people or whatever. Like he, it's going to have to be. You got to hit the road at minimum. You know, they got to hope that they keep Shane Bowen because Shane Bowen is a really good defensive coordinator. Uh, as long as Mike Vrabel's not overstepping and, and doing his thing. So that's, you know, you have that asset and he knows the, the people you have on your roster. You know, hopefully Schwartz is there another year because, you know, his his involvement with the defense has coincided with Bowen being good at being a good D.C. So. Other than that, and Mike Vrabel being safe, nobody should – not a single player on the roster – well, I, I say that. Not a single coach. And outside of Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard and, you know, the rookie class who, who's been good, other than those guys, everybody is either up for a trade or up to be cut because, you know – if you're going to remake this team, you got to go all the way in. Like you, you really, if you're going to, if you're going to try to rebuild, unless you restructure, you can't keep Tannehill. And if you can't keep Tannehill, you need to get rid of Henry. 
because you're not going to get a better quarterback and you're just going to be leading him like a lamb to slaughter just to get, you know, 22 touches for 80 yards for the majority of the season. Like uh, even if, even if you get the greatest offensive line in the world, he's not going to be able to do that because quite frankly, he just doesn't have the same juice that he used to. And anybody who's watching knows that like you can see him get caught from behind and get caught from the side and people don't have the same fear of him that they used to. And that's, that doesn't mean that he's a bad running back, but it does mean that he's not the same game changing running back that he was before. So he can still be a pro bowler. He can still be really good, but he's not the all pro undisputed top running back in the league anymore. And that's what he's getting paid like, and he's getting older. So those are things that we have to acknowledge. So if there's going to be a rebuilding year, you're talking about you're keeping a guy on that you're going to have to give a new contract. You're going to have to pay Derrick Henry at age 31 to be on a team. This is if everything goes well with whoever the rookie quarterback or next quarterback is. You're going to have to, you know, pay him good money to come in and to be a part of this rebuild and hope that your second year quarterback can take you to where you want to go. But I mean, there's a lot of hurdle. I mean, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to get there. So a, a change in offensive coordinator has to come if you lose. I mean, it should come either way, but it has to come if you lose this game. Then you talk about the quarterback change down the road and you evaluate your options. I don't think they should give up on Willis yet. Like, I, I think I think you let, let somebody who understands – how to call a play in the national football league, let them look at him and decide whether he can do it or what he needs to be successful. But I'm also keeping Josh Dobbs. I mean, if, if even uh, unless he just absolutely tanks the difference in what he looked like and Malik looked like when they played was night and day. And Dobbs has always been a very capable backup. And so whether you want to get rid of Tannehill and you want to keep Dobbs as your starter and because Full stop, if you get rid of Tannehill, you're not making the playoffs next year. You're just not going to do it. So, at least... Not even with uh, Tom Brady? I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you think Tom Brady would survive behind Dennis Daly and Aaron Aaron Brewer? And, Tom Brady like, would have the worst season of his career in this yeah. offense. Yeah, also, you, you want to talk about a guy not being a mentor. <laughs> Let Tom Brady in the building with Malik Willis and watch the offense change to suit a 46-year-old immobile quarterback like uh, who can who can already read every defense out there. It would all be checks at the line. It, you know, it, it would be the worst thing for Malik Willis's career because they they play such a different game of football. But yeah, like, but uh, have, you know, you say that like I, I think there's a 30% chance that that's what Tom, that's what they do next year is they go after Tom Brady and Mike Vrabel, you know, finally gets the go ahead and then they overpay for Tom Brady and the Titans look like the Bucks, except without Mike Evans and that, like all the talent they've built there. That would be anyone calling for the Titans to, to sign Tom Brady next year. Like just look at the Buccaneers right now. I mean, like that's the thing is it's like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have it called for, like it is getting called for and it's insane, but the same people are calling for Derek Carr because they don't watch other teams play insanity insanity yeah. i've been saying this for like the past five years Derek Carr is the most 
overrated quarterback in the NFL. He's he's the most mid average mediocre quarterback you could possibly get. And Tannehill is better than him. They're like it's not even it's not even a question. Like most people that look at metrics and you know advanced stats and analytics, like will all agree that Tannehill is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. Derek Carr is so like he acts like he's mobile. He's not mobile. He's not he's not fast. He's not athletic. And he's so so passive and conservative with, with with the way he plays. Like people call him for that, or I I don't know. I don't know what they're looking at. Yeah. So, you know, quarterback will be one of those those things that we look at at the end of the year, and we just like the, we talk about all the other options. But, and I've I've said this before too. But even if you get even if you trade for Patrick Mahomes, you give up you know, the city of Nashville and you get Patrick Mahomes, you're still doesn't matter. And, and let's say you hire Andy Reid as the offensive coordinator. Mike Vrabel will not let the offensive coordinator call more than 40 for 45% or less than 45% of the pass plays as runs. Like it is going to be as run heavy as any team in the NFL, because he said before that that's what he believes wins. And Mike Vrabel is very opinionated. I mean, he's he's not going to like it, he he believes and this is right or wrong. It, I you know I don't I truly don't know, but he believes that the reason why the Titans have been successful is because they're committed to the running game, not because they're good at running it, because they're committed to it. He believes that that's how you win in the NFL for the last twenty five years. That's how you win now. That that's what he said, and it's not a one-time quote. It's something that he it, it's something in his bag that he uses as much as he can. He believes that no matter who is your quarterback, he thinks that the teams that win win because they have a good defense, they run the ball well, and they get takeaways. Now, is that true? No, but it is what he believes, and he's been successful enough to where he has the clout to say. I was coach of the year, just like the great Matt Nagy before me. And like, I, you know, I know what I'm talking about. And if he, he's not going to have an offensive coordinator in the building that doesn't fall in, you know, right behind what he says. So there's just never a chance that they're going to be a team that passes comfortably 40 times a game there with Arthur Smith. It was 30 times a game or 31. And that's about what they do right now. Like, People misunderstand and think that this was a more pass-heavy offense than it wasn't. It was just more well-designed passes, and there was a better understanding, and they were also healthier. So, you know, he's never Matt Lafleur was there, and he like he's never let his offensive coordinator call a pass-based game, and so, you know, there's no reason to expect that to change. They, there's no reason to expect that that's a quarterback-dependent decision. So, you know, uh, that that's that's just what this team is. If the Titans uh, get rid of Derrick Henry, I could 100% see Mike Brabel, acting GM, trading up to, like, fifth overall to draft B. John Robinson. <laughs> Dude, like, I, I, I was like, he's either going to trade up and try to draft the Ohio State quarterback because, right. like, he – because that that's his – alma mater or he will stay at 10 and he'll draft a running back top 10 and he'll just be like hey 
offensive lines easy to put together. Don't don't even worry about that. But I've got this electric guy, and Bijan will just get absolutely destroyed. I mean, like he he will forget how to run. Like it'll be like devastating. Like oh, I mean, it would awful. it would be it would be Najee Harris all over again. Like look at him. They drafted him to be their bell cow, and their offensive line stinks. And now Najee forgot how to play football. Like yeah, or like what Carolina looked like when they like when Christian McCaffrey was there and they didn't have Cam Newton. Yeah. It was like it just getting banged up all the time or hurt or like not productive. And it's just like, ugh. man, the Titans are in a really, really precarious situation. And now I'll say this too. I, I sent you, I sent you a message earlier and I said, I can see them picking first overall in 2024 or yeah. I can see them winning a Super Bowl. Like if you say, <laughs> okay, we're going to cut the fat on this team. Like, you know, we're, we're going to open up cap space, which it's, relatively easy to open about to have about 50 million dollars in cap space like and this is not pushing money back to the future this is just cutting i mean lawan you cut him you have zero dead money you get 15 million back zach cunningham you get like 10 million dollars and there's almost no dead money like there's easy cuts to be made and you say okay we're gonna fire downing we're gonna get a good offensive coordinator we're gonna draft a left tackle with the 10th overall pick you know and there's there's some good ones there and you said, you know, we're going to keep Tannehill and extend him for a year. We'll, we'll deal with Malik down the road, but we're going to get a, a, a proven offensive coordinator. Then we're going to fire our strength and conditioning staff and our medical team and hire competent people instead. And then you'll get a full season or close of Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Chigakonkwo. You know, Ryan Tannehill will be there directing all that traffic. You'll have... Uh, a new left tackle, you'll have Dylan Radens or Corey Levin or Aaron Brewer or whatever figuring out the left guard spot, or you can just have Corey Levin or Aaron Brewer be your center because they're both fine. You pay Nate Davis, you get uh, you you have Nicholas Petit Frere, so you've got an offensive line that's got you know improved vastly improved left tackle because it's not daily. Then you just let the best man win at left guard. And then you let the best snapper win at center and you have Nate Davis and you have Nicholas Petit Frere, who's been a, been a, a very solid rookie tackle. It's just hard to play rookie, you know, hard to be a rookie tackle outside of the top three guys drafted, you know, every year. So you, you get that going, you still lean on Derrick Henry, and then you have a defense that doesn't really lose anybody. Like, I mean, you re-signed David Long, obviously. And then you you get Danico Autry back, you cut Dupree and you let Weaver or Walker or whoever take that spot and you have Autry Simmons, Tart, whoever that guy is. And I mean you have talent all over the board. Like it's it's not that hard to make this team really good if they can stay healthy and just make a few smart decisions this offseason. I have a question for you. If you were the GM, is there any uh, any other option for you logically uh, at quarterback after this season uh, than to go back to Tannehill? Because, I mean, the free agents are, it's its just, it, it's not happening. Lamar Jackson is the only one and he's not going to make it uh, to the market. I don't think they would franchise tag him or, you know, uh, try to trade him or something along those lines. He's the only one I would even be remotely interested in because these other guys just, either aren't as good as Tannehill or just don't make sense logically for the team. 
Yeah, no, I, I oh, don't. Would you, would you draft someone? I mean, I guess it depends what. Yeah, what no, I, I'm not. I, it's 10, you know, everybody's going to be like, well, Josh Allen was drafted. Yeah, but he was the fourth quarterback drafted and he got drafted to a really fortunate situation with a good, you know, the offensive staff there was was very good. And then, you know, they got Stephon Diggs and, you know, like. And even then, it took a lot of time for him to. I mean, it, you know, he wasn't Josh Allen like he was now for a few years. Like uh, this, this is not this. That's a move you make if it's your first year as the head coach. It's not a move you make if you're in your whatever and you're going through a rebuild. So, no, I don't. I don't like. Maybe you could sell me on. If Will Levis, for whatever reason, because people say that they love him, if Will Levis goes one and Bryce Young goes two or whatever, and then teams, or I guess I guess not two because that would be the Bears unless there's a trade up. But either way, he like if if the top four is picks are in whatever order. Um, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Jalen Carter, and Will Anderson. And, you know, let's say the, the, the Colts take like an offensive lineman because they're so committed to Matt Ryan financially that they just can't get away from it or, or whatever they decide to do. Or if they trade for Derek Carr in the offseason or, or sign him or whatever, I don't know. But you could make a case to me that, okay, if you get a competent offensive coordinator – that CJ Stroud makes sense as a guy who you could you could work with. Like I don't think you'd be good next year. I don't I don't think you would make the playoffs, but I think you would be by the end of the year, I think you would have a really functional offense with a talented defense. Like I I think you would be one of these teams next year that goes into the offseason and you're like, this is a team that's one player away from being great and then you just are great the next year. But that that would that's so dependent on teams making bad decisions in the draft, you making the smart decision of hiring an offensive coordinator that doesn't get hired away um after like a year and a half of productive football, you know, you figuring out how to adapt from Derrick Henry to a committee back backfield or whatever. Like th- there's so many different things that would have to happen, but that that's the only guy I can see where you can look logically next year and be like, okay, this is the guy for the future that you didn't have to give up somebody like Jeffrey Simmons or like a, a like a, your best players. Like you didn't have to move them to get up to get this guy. So uh, the short answer is it's incredibly unlikely, but the long answer is if, if everything fell perfectly, I still think any quarterback other than Tannehill would be a quarterback with a losing record next year, but you would have hope and you'd be in a positive trajectory for the 2024 and beyond. Yeah, really intriguing situation the Titans are going to find themselves in. I don't know if I'm scared, excited, or just looking forward to seeing how they – how they respond to all this and, and what their course of action is, but definitely a, it's a tough spot for whichever GM comes in. If it's Ryan Cowden or if they bring in someone, uh, someone else from outside the organization or, or hire someone else from within, they're they're in a tough spot, honestly. And they already they're going to have the added pressure that they they're going to have to perform 
almost immediately because it seems like Amy Adams Strunk is is very uh, results oriented at this point and wants to win as soon as possible. So we'll see, man. We'll we'll see. Good luck to to whoever that is. Uh, let's take one more ad break here and then we'll wrap up with stop the nonsense. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Times podcast. Uh, Will, do you have a stop the nonsense for us? I do. So uh, I, apparently this is a real thing, but uh, uh, Armando, how do you say his name? Armando Salguero. Um, Correct. Who's covered? I, I I believe he's covered the Dolphins for or like been around them forever, to, forever. Yeah. Um, he reported on Outkick, like whatever, you know, whatever Outkick sports thing he reported this on, that if the Dolphins lose this week, that Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer, and Josh Boyer, all of their jobs would be at risk. Which, if you've watched Mike McDaniel's play, like, or Mike McDaniel coach, like, he's done so many fun things with a roster that everybody thought was dead two years ago, you know, and he's made them, you know, he completely revived the, the career of Tua Tagovailoa and uh, like he, what he's done with offense has been smart and incredibly fun to watch. And nobody expected the dolphins to be a playoff team this year, but if they start off, they started out eight and three and if they end up eight and nine on this, uh, coincidentally at a six-game losing streak, like what the Titans are going through, uh, apparently uh, the report is that they could, you know, that entire coaching staff could just be cleaned out and fired. Which wait, McDaniel? Yeah, that like Mike McDaniel. What? Yeah, uh, owner Steve Ross might look the other way uh, on, on the losses if they win. Uh, but if the Dolphins go from eight to three to eight to nine and not in the playoffs, everybody's at risk. I would, I, I, I would make him the highest paid offensive coordinator. I'd make him the, the highest Titans. paid head coach. Head coach. Like, <laughs> that, like I, but I mean, that's, that's my thing, but it's like, if you're like, we've got to rebuild, you know, we've got a great defense. We just need a good offense. It's like that. That'll fix it. That's crazy, man. I, I I didn't think that was even a possibility. Um. Wow. Yeah. No, that would be ridiculous. Um. Oh yeah, I, I gotta do mine. Sorry. Uh. So my stop the nonsense. I I'm sure you a lot of you were watching the Monday night game uh, between the Bengals and Bills. Obviously, we were all very excited. Uh. And then unfortunately, that Demar Hamlin situation. Uh, happened just terrible. I got just a really bad feeling, man. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the Christian Erickson one uh, at the Euros a couple years ago, but very similar situation. Um, and, and once you realize that that you know player is getting uh, CPR and and defibrillated, it's just feels terrible. But of course, uh, when something like this happens, there's a select few amount of people who just just terrible just terrible human beings and, and and there's a lot of them there's a lot of bad human beings in, in the world i i like to believe there's a lot more good than bad but some people just i had to use this situation this horrible situation which uh by the way uh, prayers and thoughts out to demar hamlin uh hope he pulls through obviously seems like we finally got some positive news 
uh, last night, I think it was. Uh, uh, but hopefully everything uh, will turn out to be okay. But there was a select few people, uh, some of them that are famous for whatever reason, uh, and they are tech, quote-unquote, anti-vaccine, anti-vax uh, type of people who believe that everything that happens with a human being's heart uh, and his, you know, cardiac system from now on, everything is due to to the to the COVID vaccine, and it's just it, it's killing us one by one. And they decided to, you know, spread false information that this Demar Hamlin situation, uh, injury, cardiac arrest, was due to the vaccine. Which, when you do just, you know, a minute of research, you will find out that a lot of doctors believe that it was something called commotio cordis, which is when you receive a hit or a blow to the chest uh, at a certain point in the heart's cycle, heartbeat cycle. Um, and it's like a one in, I, I can't even remember the number, just an insanely random occurrence that typically only happens with uh, athletes, mostly in baseball, if they take like a, a baseball to the chest or like DeMar Hamlin did with a hit right to the chest um, uh, from from T. Higgins where he was trying to tackle him. Uh, but, you know, why? why? Why do we have to just be awful human beings? Why can't for one second rest and not try to push our terrible political agendas uh, onto everything? Um, especially meanwhile, this guy is in the hospital fighting for his life and all you can do uh, is try to spread misinformation uh, and lies and, and try, try to, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just it's it's so frustrating, but it's the world we live in, and it's it's not going to change. Yeah, like I, every every this is coming from me. Everything isn't a big conspiracy. Like. We don't have to solve things that aren't like, you know, we don't have to always assume that the first answer is wrong and that we're smarter than everybody else. Like, I, I mean, I'm not going to speculate because I'm not a doctor, but, I, I, you know, based off of 99% of the reporting, it, this is not an issue that is, first of all, as uncommon as you would think. It just doesn't, it just hasn't happened in the NFL, like, as visibly um surprise it hasn't happened more often to be yeah, honest yeah like with you know apparently in baseball it's it's much more prevalent but you know it, it's it's surprisingly not common but more common than you would think like it's not the first time this has happened ever but it's also got nothing to do with the covid vaccine like it's not it's not a freak incident that i mean it is a freak incident but it's not it's not something that can only be explained as something going wrong with the vaccine. Like, I, I don't know, like, like you said, like, it's just one of those things where, you know, everything doesn't have to be a way for you to say I was right. You know, like you don't have to loop everything in and say, actually, this didn't happen 20 years ago. It's like, you don't know. It's like, you weren't watching for, for this 20 years ago. You might, it, just because you didn't see it 20 years ago, doesn't, you know, so it's just, it, it's, it's aggravating to listen to. And, you know, if the, if this, you know, suddenly if this never happens again, it also won't have anything to do with the COVID vaccine. It won't mean that the COVID vaccine cured this. Like, you know, it th like 
it doesn't have to all be hot button issues. Yeah. Also, <laughs> people act like athletes didn't have heart issues before the vaccine. <laughs> like it happened pretty often. Like it would happen yeah. that there would be a trade. Like they were uh, a player would go through a medical and they would find out that they had you know a heart issue or something. And they would have to retire from the sport. Like, this used to happen per- pretty often. And so, I don't know. Like, there's, there's, there's no need. There's no need for this. But uh, so people can't help themselves. It, it, it is what it is. Uh, that's going to do it for us uh, for this week. We'll be back next week to recap either a Tennessee Titans win over the Jaguars or a Tennessee Titans loss to the Jaguars and it'll either be a preview of an upcoming playoff game or, <laughs> or possibly the last ever podcast we do. We'll see. We'll see. We, we don't know. We don't know yet, but uh, hopefully the Titans can win. They are playing on primetime Saturday night, primetime. actually, uh, I think that's the first time the, the NFL is doing this for the final week of the season. Uh, so going into the Sunday slate of games, the Titans will know uh, whether they're in the playoffs or not. So, Good luck to the Titans. Uh, hopefully it's a good game, and, and you know, hopefully they, they come out with a win and, and we could see them in the playoffs for, for another season at least. That'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in, and remember to always stop the nonsense. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.